0: Starting in three, two, one. Hi, I'm Marcy.
1: And I'm Akko.
0: And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds.
1: Ooh, yes. Colorful backgrounds. That's right, y'all. We're back. For another week of color and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Not that much fantasy, not that much magical realism this week, but a lot of fiction. Definitely a decent portion. That's a little liminal, the book.
0: Um, Almost like an entirely fictional tale, really, Um, (laughs) which we really just love to see. We love that on this here on the Color Pages Book Club. And yes, today we'll be finishing my pick, which is just above my head by James Baldwin. So yes. And shall we have thoughts on (laughs) this? We do. Very, very, very curious to see how this will all pan out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely definitely can see why james is considered such a brilliant writer his style is pretty impressive mm-hmm. speaking of things that are impressive i have i was gonna tee that up a little better but then i was like meh wh- why don't why not just go for it right right like just
0: like honestly fuck it at this point you know here we are yeah
1: so um (laughs) you know in (laughs) this book is sort of like a slice of life but a very long slice of life like a one piece long slice of life correct
0: (laughs) like one piece the anime for those who may not be familiar for context
1: (laughs) one piece is notorious for having so many episodes and never being aren't there like
0: 800 episodes at this point
1: many people swear do you by watch that One show. Piece? I have I think I dropped off episode 10 and I was like 10 at the time I <laughs> I, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> I cannot vouch or criticize in any capacity but I do know it's long okay I met someone recently who was like oh my god but
0: it's so good like you have to watch it and it was so funny because I was literally telling him like oh my god I read this book recently called A Master of Shin like you should totally read it like super good and he was like Mm. oh my god I have a recommendation for you watch all of One Piece (laughs) all 850 god damn okay I'm like I was like listen that's not even the same comparison read a 400 page book versus watch (laughs) 850 episodes young lady no one's doing that i'm not doing that i I won't be doing that you
1: would actually have to choose to watch one piece like it could not be a (laughs) decision where you're like yeah i'll give it a little look see you'd have to really commit part of your life to it like
0: even if you watched one episode a day like it would still take you like multiple years like that wouldn't like Yes. I, oh my god! Yeah. Anyway, and I'm like, it, it can't be bussing that much, like, is it that 850? I, I don't know. I'm the people
1: who love it, they love it, so I'm not going to say I anything. I
0: guess. <laughs> I'm just like, it just seems like a really inflated story, but whatever. Like, I mean, teach its own.
1: Uh, right. I-, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I don't know
0: why I'm coming for the for, for the One Piece people, but here we are.
1: Why should that be the thing that gets our show off the air? They're like, all the things they said, it was the criticism of One Piece that really made me realize.
0: They just really took it over oh the... God. Like, just completely unreasonable. Mm. Like, just get them <laughs> off the fucking mic. <laughs> just cancel the show chop it all together just scrap it completely hang it up (laughs)
1: like (laughs) we
0: cannot do this anymore right
1: it's true (sighs) so speaking of hanging it up uh this book has a lot of (laughs) sort of feelings about (laughs) sorrow and kind of dreams deferred and life loss i mean the story is Mm. mostly about love but in a very realistic sense, you know, in life, about Mm -hmm. love and life. And with that, um, the Black experience in America and war, all the things that make people bitter. Not that the Black experience in America has to make you bitter, but it's also the long 20th century. So I think everyone was a little bitter. But anyway, um, so, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, Marcy, what are your thoughts on, on bitterness? And before I kind of just law you a curveball that's kind of intense the definition mm-hmm. given by the internet is anger and disappointment <laughs> at being treated unfairly or and or i guess semicolon sure resentment <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: every time i see a semicolon i'm like is this fully like i don't I- i truly do, what, what was this fully necessary or are we just decorating you know what i mean like what like what is happening just um, we're just hanging up lights right now like what the fuck anyway Semicons um
1: so the christmas lights of sentences right like <laughs> not necessary but pretty anyway okay so sorry What's there's
0: like on? a semicolon listening to the podcast right now like wow like i just really feel like i'll do really? so much to try to humanize so many groups of people and i really feel like really <laughs> to it right out on now me. like honestly just seems like a really huge awareness gap oh, here but God. anyway um <laughs> but yeah so My thoughts on bitterness. Let's see. I feel like there... To me, bitterness, as someone who has both witnessed it plenty of times and also embodied it Mm. plenty of times, I am very much of the mind that, like, it's a very rational way of of feeling, I think, Typically speaking, the idea of being bitter is seen as somehow being kind of psychologically stiff. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, like you experienced this thing or you've learned this truth about the world or whatever that, like, kind of puts you in a space of feeling acrimonious and like, you shouldn't be stuck there though. Like bitterness is like, it's like a stop. It's like, but you're going to like, you're, you're, you're taking the train four stops. That's maybe the first stop, but like you keep going type of Mm. thing. And like the idea of just staying there is seen as like, you need to be able to move on. Like, why are you stuck in the past? Why are you like ruminating on this? Whatever, whatever. I feel Mm. like there's a lot of ways that we kind of gaslight and tone police people to make it seem as though the reasons why they're bitter or what's triggering their bitterness is somehow like, even if we acknowledge like oh like there's something like for example in this book we talk a lot about like race and shit it's a lot of shit black people have to be bitter about a lot of shit (laughs) that we have to be bitter about and so it's one of those things even if people agree with that it's like oh but like you're being bitter like you're like not able like you're not able to perform like normalcy or like this like kind of faux optimism like that's problematic it makes me uncomfortable and it's just like okay but like Mm-hmm. Look at how none of that is working in service of the person who is actually feeling bitter, right? Like, like, look at how that response and in, in no way works to rectify the thing that, like, that's causing the problem. So I'm kind of of the mind that, like, bitterness is something that, like, feel it. If you feel bitter, I know I felt b- b- plenty. Should I feel bitter now? Like, it's just like, it's <laughs> like, feel the way you feel and, like, how you feel is completely valid, where I've arrived in my journey, and this may not be where we finish. most likely won't be where we finished, but where I am currently on this here today, um, mm. on this early April 2022 day, um, I'm just kind of in a space where I'm like, okay, as an individual, like personally speaking, like, yes, bitterness can be very, it can be very illuminating. It can kind of be, you know, a way to to process where we are. Mm. But I'm in the space of trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do with it. It's actually really funny. This this conversation reminds me of a lot of um a conversation we had when we were talking, throw complete throwback, but when beauty. we were talking about Yes, yep. Small Beauty by <laughs> Jocelyn Wilson Yang. This book actually reminded me a lot of small beauty in mm. Hazel um, except a there wasn't really one, a, right. There wasn't really a Hazel equivalent. No. Um, I kind of wanted there to be, but unfortunately, there wasn't. That's that's probably really my <laughs> I biggest I critique like of this book at this point.
1: Literally zero to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: literally zero, but like honestly, would have just made it a through and through just complete parallel. But anyway, basically, um, you know, in that in, in those episodes we were talking a lot about you know the, this idea of anger and like how do like what do you do mm-hmm. with it like how do you take it and like kind of make it like 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 s- using your anger as like a as like a source to of energy to kind of like charge your actions versus like kind of festering in it as that can in itself can kind of at, at an individual level can just lead to some individual corrosion which is again just it's, it's a very monumental like herculean task to ask people who have so much to be bitter about to be like but just like learn to fine-tune it and make it like you know like great for you <laughs> you know like it's like it's like that's like a lot to add that's a lot of emotional labor but i feel like i'm in a space where i'm trying to figure out like okay like yes i feel bitterness like what but how do i what can i do with this like how can i I don't know like what like 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 how can i
1: it's like a what now question
0: exactly like what like what is the next step here now what? yeah exactly so that's kind of like in a space that's kind of the space that i'm in where it's like okay maybe that looks like turning these feelings or turning some of these you know the thoughts that come up with bitterness into into art or into into civic action or whatever the case may be like that's kind of where i'm at like trying to figure out like how to? Ch- I I feel like it is one of those things where, like, if you're someone that like feels a lot of it, like maybe finding some ways to channel it, to process it, to mm. to to use that as a source of energy or activation is kind of where I'm at as far as like as as an individual. I feel like that can kind of. And I don't want to, again, I, I don't want to be like, just do something with it. Like, cause it's like, I mean, sometimes you just need to feel it, but sometimes it's like, you know, it can be helpful to see, okay, like I feel this, like where, where can we go with this? Mm. What can I create with this? What can I activate with this? Yeah. Um, What are the things that I have in my own control? What are, wh- where does my power lie in my own life? And like, how can I channel this to, to sort of connect with that. Funny enough, actually, a quick actually has a book that just came out called Bitter um, that literally talks about this. Um, I went to their book launch recently and it's this this conversation kind of make me think about like, maybe we should read that on the podcast. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But um anyway, TLDR, bitterness, valid as fuck, and if you could find a way to channel it into something that like feels perhaps healing or a way to process or whatever love that for us but also like if it's just something that's just really hard to fe- like if, if it's if today is like listen listen it's just i'm just feeling it today and that's really the extent to which i'm gonna engage with it that's fine that's kind of where i'm at <laughs> how, do you, how do you how do you feel
1: yeah yeah i think similarly 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 so- <laughs> similarly (laughs) yeah correct yes Uh, right uh here we go i have i I have i've felt bitter i I probably feel bitter now you're right um i've Mm -hmm. gone through quite a few things that have made me bit i like the word acrimonious it feels nice to Mm -hmm. say in your mouth it feels full and acidic and Mm -hmm. very much descriptive of Both. I was talking to you about this earlier about needing more words to to describe like complex emotions. So like bitterness seems very like like a rock. Where acrimonious feels like a radioactive rock leaking Mm. acid. Acrimonious feels like a battery, you know, a leaking battery. Right. Um, Bitterness feels like more solid. Anyway, that's not the question. Or
0: it could bring up the movie Acrimony, which is just oh but,
1: of course but i
0: feel like that movie kind of fucked up the word a little bit for me. but
1: in a <laughs> way, <laughs> way that it's, there's right there is when you're watching the movie acrimony you feel for taraji right like true you, very true you, yeah. her anger and her resentment it feels justified right like you are sympathetic Absolutely. to it. and i think you, you feel the unfairness and bitterness i think is a deep sense of social or structural unfairness, mm-hmm. or unfairness. In no, your that's life. wrong. And now emotions run the gambit about whether or not <laughs> your emotions are what's it called, um, in proportion to what happened, right? And they're like, let's not pretend that you haven't met someone. You're like, huh? Do you think maybe you're not really taking responsibility for your actions in that situation mm. at all? I mean, we can't pretend that none of us have ever blown anything out of proportion. But That's true. but that being said, your emotions are your emotions. You feel them, whether or not you think they're out of proportion or not, is up to you. But anyway, I I do think bitterness should be felt. I think, to be honest, I think with with strong emotions like bitterness and anger, maybe even happiness. Although it's happiness is like an sh- easy one to sort of internalize and let go. Hell, happiness will leave you before you even wanted to. But um. Right. <laughs> You're like, man. I wish I could hold on to this happiness for longer. Then all of a sudden, you know, you have to go to work the next happiness day. Happiness is like,
0: happiness is like, oh girl, my Uber's here. Right. Um, <laughs> you be easy. You know, it was cute. Um, but oh my God, I, Mama has to go. Right. I'm
1: sorry. Happiness is like, have another, have another date. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, wait. I thought like we had like a monogamous. It's really like, yeah. I know that's like what I led you to think. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. We should probably follow up later. Probably won't see you for like. Uh, I don't know. Are you are you busy in like three weeks? Right. And I'm like three weeks. It's like. <laughs> I
1: mean, you'll be all right. You'll be all right until then, right? And I'm just like. No, Ugh. like you'll be texting happiness and happiness. You'll see the three dots and they'll just disappear. That's happiness. But anyway, no happiness will really <laughs> <laughs> leave you. <unless.
0: laughs> no, and like, like it will like be subtweeting you on social media. It's like, oh my god, I hate when motherfuckers be right? like, texting you constantly. <laughs> like it's just like, girl, leave me alone. Like I know I'm I'm, I'm lit, but damn. But and damn. it's just like I just i just really okay you know what and then you you don't want to seem too desperate no. but then it's like ultimately
1: but you are uh, but so you would
0: really like you would really like that second date but it's fine
1: just a little bit but like contentment contentment is a very consistent you know lover so there you mm. go folks. anyway that's not the point we're off topic My, what i wanted to say about bitterness is that <laughs> it like any other strong emotion i think i think a friend gave me this really good advice once because I was I was acrimonious at the time. And I was like I don't know mm-hmm. what to do with these feelings. And she was like, "Well, why don't you just do nothing?" And I was like, "Huh?" Eh. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Yeah, why why do you need to do anything with the feeling? Why don't you just let it be until it dissipates? And don't like don't feed it, but also don't ignore it. Just like sit with it." And I was like, "Um, this seems this seems um in inconvenient sure but what's the one that mm. i really mean which is this seems oh, counterintuitive like, like
0: incoherent in yes oh, I was, incompatible in congruous
1: incongruous thank you i like that incongruous yeah it just doesn't seem like the because we're taught to hold on to feelings and i think we're taught that because we feel like feelings are us you know we feel like feelings are mm, us we think our yeah. thoughts are us none of those things are true your feelings aren't you obviously because happiness is already in the uber two blocks down and <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts are not Not texting your ass back by the way right, but. exactly your thoughts aren't you because have a thought like you know those days where you wake up you're like i'm gonna do all these things and you do none of them so clearly your thoughts aren't you either but we hold Period. on to things right with to make them <laughs> to make them us but i think with these feelings the best thing to do is to just sit with them and let them mm. tell you what they want to tell you. So like it it might not mean first of all, typically with bitterness, it's something in the past you can't do anything about it to be frank. You you just mm. can't. That's why you're that's why you're bitter <laughs> because there's nothing. Right. If you could do something about it, you would you would likely with such a strong emotion try to do something right. about it. Correct. And and I think for me, something I've learned is to to acknowledge and accept something does not mean you're condoning it or even mm-hmm. forgiving it. Whether yeah. you want to do those things is up to you. But but to acknowledge and accept it is the first step in freeing yourself from something that could become a very tangled web that hurts yourself mm-hmm. and others, right? So if you, if if bitterness consumes you, and again, I, I struggle with, right now, I struggle with bitterness. And, and it's been a long process of of asking myself, one, what can you accept <laughs> and the past is is the first answer because the past can't be changed anyway i mean marty mcfly mm-hmm. maybe and the next part is to ask yourself and i like how you said this marcy where do where does my strength and power lie what is in my control at this point and at this mm-hmm. moment because then you find inner strength inside yourself mm-hmm. to, to, you know to do what you can do next Mm -hmm. whatever that is you know think what it is it's about getting your wits back about you Mm -hmm. getting your autonomy back in your mind because typically what caused the acrimony or the bitterness was somebody else and so at that point Mm -hmm. your agency or a society and at that point your agency is is in the hands of someone else which is exactly likely (laughs) what that society Mm -hmm. or that person wanted in the first place right and so your fate is almost in the hands of somebody else who has not your best interest in mind? <laughs> mm. And so, at the moment, and, and I, I really struggled with this. I and I fail mm-hmm. pretty much half of the time. There are times where mm-hmm. I wake up very, very bitter. And I, I, I. The thing is, the the world is not that patient about your bitterness. To be frank, oh my god, the world's very impatient. And, and that's neither here nor there. But it, you do suffer more loss <laughs> over time, right? Mm-hmm. um and you lose out on more memories which is not to tell you to not be bitter but it's to tell you that this is a journey that sometimes you have to take a little bit on your own um mm-hmm. and i can tell you i can tell you that for me personally um i value my autonomy above all things uh, which is not to say i don't like connecting with people i do <laughs> and i don't mind giving up my autonomy for connection to other people but that's that, that for that to be something I choose always mm-hmm. a life I choose because I, I think when I was I was younger I, I came to this conclusion that all the people you want to take responsibility for the things they ought to will likely never take responsibility for the things they ought correct. to correct the probability yep. of closure is negligible if you get it I mean lucky you you know <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and even at the end of the day at the very end of the day we all die every time mm-hmm. so the question is what do we do with this life that we have what do we do with the hands that we've been dealt, even if they're not, if they're disfavorous to us? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, I think that addresses the unfairness. I think that addresses the resentment and the feelings. Easier said than done, obviously, <laughs> especially when the issue is systemic and will continue. But, but, but I think more than anything, before you do anything else, you should find your joy. So before you even try to touch your bitterness, Just let it sit there and go find joy, because joy and pleasure ease are the lubricants of life. So while you're looking for your Mm. joys, your bitterness will seem far less like, you know, the sun in your solar system. Hopefully it starts to feel a bit more like Pluto, which isn't even a planet anymore, so you know? That's not, I, you know, I who's bitter about, I th- to, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, 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 Pluto's a planet. Like, I don't give a fuck what y'all talking about. Like, fuck all this. Pluto's the ninth one. Yes, correct. Um, Pluto's
1: looking at Neptune like, so what? What do you have that I don't have?
0: <laughs> exactly. How y'all gonna say I'm a planet? And then, oh, just kidding. You're not. Away.
1: Girl that's not that's like
0: y'all gave me a rose and then took it away the next episode what do you mean fuck out of here i got my rose i'm I'm taking my roses like like, you know
1: you know when the contestants it's the final two and then both people it's neither and both people go home (laughs) it's like pluto (laughs) like pluto was about to be in the running but they're like ooh, there's some other plants that look like pluto and they're like looks like neither of you will be continuing right (laughs) to be america's <laughs> next top
0: super planet and it's just like yeah we're not we're not doing that like pluto pluto's in the cast here made it to the top <laughs> i don't like, know i think i'm just disagreement like,
1: but but you know
0: yeah i just pluto's a planet whatever like i just you know I'm it dead. is what it is <laughs> it just is what it is at this point
1: speaking of um transitioning from being something that you are to something you're not we're gonna take a break <laughs> Okay,
0: so, okay, really? Anyway, it's fine.
1: (laughs) We're going to take a break (laughs) until we come back. We'll do the summary.
0: (laughs) Yes, definitely peep the shade. But anyway, uh, yes, y'all, see y'all in a bit.
1: we're back yes yeah so i would say that bluto's <laughs> crying everyone's somewhere. like why are y'all weird like what? <laughs> anyway like he's
0: like y- y'all been do- y'all have a whole podcast you've been doing this for so long i feel anyway. like they're
1: like what is happening during y'all's break like they're like what do y'all do that we're not privy to um exactly <laughs> so many questions so few answers
0: right so we're just like really aloof and mysterious (laughs) you know we're just like moving in silence like you can never predict our next steps like what do you mean uh so it's actually just us like
1: sipping coffee anyway um so right (laughs) (laughs) we're just placidly continuing so So speaking of placidly continuing this second book his second (laughs) half of this book is probably i would say you get a better feel of of the whole thing it's a bit of a stream Mm -hmm. of consciousness i would say it's, it's James Baldwin's yeah. last book. And I and I think if I were to say something, it's kind of putting a lot of parts of his life together um, mm, and his, his sort of final yeah. philosophies about things. So it's, it's not as, I, I don't know. It's a little bit more, yeah, like I said, stream of consciousness. But here we go. So second half starts with Hall returning. Oh, by the way, a couple of trigger warnings. We're still going to talk about a little bit of sexual abuse. Not a lot. It's just a light touch. I'll put in the... We'll put in a description where those are and we'll mm-hmm. give a trigger warning. It's coming up soon. Second thing is the book uses a couple of terms, racial terms that are arch- archaic, if not just offensive. So if you're reading this mm. and you're, you're Asian, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Maybe if you're a First Nations person, yeah. you know, just take a moment. Yeah. You might run into a word that you're like, hmm, didn't really want to do that today. So thanks or for that. Or even
0: white people saying some... Some inward pieces. Oh, yeah. Um, I was about to, that's know, true. That,
1: also, there's a lot of like really strong white anger and rage um towards yeah. black people and, and a hard R. You know? Yeah. That, um, a lot of like really. So if you are like, this is triggering to me, which understandably, you know, tap out of reading we're not going to use any of those words (laughs) on this
0: yeah we're not going to be like oh just to maintain the the integrity of
1: the piece like like, (laughs) we're just like
0: take full permission (laughs) to just be completely outrageous yeah (laughs) definitely not gonna happen
1: yeah and i just want to say that because while (laughs) this book is very brilliant and there are things that are really great about it it, 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 to go in without a little warning might throw you off in a way that you're like "Mm, i'm okay so anyway second half Hall returns to New York. <laughs> if you remember, Hall is Arthur's older brother. He's sometimes the main character and sometimes like the, the person who's the book is from the perspective of, although sometimes it randomly switches to Arthur. So, he comes back from mm. serving in Korea. He's picked up by Arthur and Peanut, who drive everyone back to Hall and Arthur's home. Paul and Florence, mm-hmm. their parents, and the trio have dinner. And Paul and Florence are like really excited, right? You know, to see their son. You know, not everyone came home from the war, so so to have someone come back is really exciting. He's True. lost a lot of weight; he's really thin. And they're kind of just catching Hall up on everything that's been happening. Um, so they're talking about, you know, desegregation. That's it's basically just take it revving up it's actually a really interesting discussion so maybe we'll talk about it in the discussion it is actually yeah i think it it really like kind of over overthrows um some misconceptions i think america has about what that period of time was like and then they talk about Mm. julia okay so trigger warning trigger warning yes yep so we find out that joel beat julia so hard that it caused a miscarriage which i think we discussed in part one but you kind of get a little bit more
0: and i was gonna say joel is joel is julia's father yes good
1: call good call uh so julia called florence afterward and is basically in tears and florence who again is really the the og of the situation with Julia, only one looking out for julia Julia. like
0: heavy she
1: rushes over and basically saves her life because when they get in they describe it as sort of like a very violent seen you know people were very mm-hmm. disturbed about how much violence they honestly didn't think she would live strangely the neighbors all heard is happening <laughs> and really did oh not have any anyway it was a lot of like oh my you know people not wanting to quote-unquote interfere in that the quote-unquote domestic issue quote-unquote so we learned oh that i know so we learned that julia's grandmother came and took her down to new orleans with her so now she's with jimmy Paul ended up running into Joel at a bar, and Joel tried to make up this odd lie saying that Julia had become oh a God. sex worker and her pimp had broken into the house and be Oh, her up. my God. Zero people believed it. Not the people in the bar, not Paul, not Otis the Pigeon, not Akko or Marcy, not the person that she- Zero people were really buying it. <laughs>
0: not Hazel. Not Hazel. <laughs> Nobody.
1: The author, while writing it, didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> It was just really not believing. Eventually, he's just arrested. <laughs> the
0: pages of the book right. were like, I mean, I know I'm giving this story, but even <laughs> I'm like, this ain't even it. Like, what the fuck? Right.
1: The the book itself made an asterisk at the bottom of the page. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so now we're, we're kind of we're done with the Julia part, just in case you're coming back into the, the episode. So yes. the, the trio then head out to to a bar so it's arthur peanut and hall they go back to the bar they actually visited in part one and uh, hall meets back up with sydney um if you guys mm-hmm. remember sydney and him were a little sweet on each other or whatever and it's not terrible mm-hmm. you know there's a little banter a little hijinks between arthur and peanut and, and hall and them they're all just cracking jokes and being silly so mm-hmm. hall gives sydney a really beautiful ring that he got from the war he also gave arthur and sydney no, he also gave Arthur, his parents, and Peanut a gift as well from, from the war. So, but he also gives Sydney a really pretty ring. And then. Uh, Sydney's like, yo, have you talked to Martha? And <laughs> Hall basically oh two steps, you know, does like gymnastics, <laughs> like rolls backwards, <laughs> sideways, climbs up a Back ceiling. Back handspring, <laughs> right.
0: grand jeté.
1: Like, truly, to avoid the question. Truly on some
0: parkour <laughs> shit, climbed a goddamn Ooh. building, avoiding that question. It's out.
1: true. And finally Sydney's like, okay, well, you know, I see you literally <laughs> again, 10 out of 10. <laughs> But maybe just call her. So
0: <laughs> literally, pole vaulted to right, the next dimension. Right. But um, while you're there, could you actually just call? Martha?
1: Did a triathlon. <laughs> an iron man in this mother <laughs>
0: oh my god and
1: so i was like uh, okay uh, so he finally gets to a payphone and Jesus calls Jesus christ by the way <laughs> florence had made sure to get martha so that when when the julia thing went down uh to get martha to make sure that that julia would be safe in the hospital so hall finally finally calls martha and they they sit down for cocktails and start talking and martha talks about the moment where she sell Julia and, and it's really interesting because Hall notes that while he could separate himself from Joel, just on the idea that he would never do something like Joel did, Martha, Florence, mm-hmm. and really every other woman was like, I see Julia in me. You know, you, it's harder to separate mm-hmm. yourself because you have no control on the violence other people perpetuate against you based on your gender. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting conversation. She also then kind of pivots to talk about, Sydney having converted to to Nation of Islam because Sydney mm-hmm. saw the effect it had on her on his brother who is in jail for murder and also because you know Christianity has been used in especially in the United States to justify Oof. the consistent oppression of black Americans and um. uh, seeing Nation of Islam and is Islam is something that is more freeing. And Martha's like, I also kind of am into it. I feel like I'm going to do it too. Also, Sydney and I, definitely getting married. Um, kind of knew you never loved me, so whatever. And Hull, again, is making the noises that Marcy's making right now as he like... <laughs> gets stabbed in the heart for being seen when he thought he was, again, quote-unquote moving in silence, which he clearly was not. He,
0: he was actually moving with an orchestra, right. but, you know, it's He fun.
1: actually had a drumline behind him as he moves throughout the whole book.
0: It was actually Mardi Gras behind Hall
1: the entire
0: time. Who knew? So,
1: so there's that. Then there's a the five-year <laughs> <laughs> that ends and Hall like, gathers his beads and takes himself <laughs> 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 but after that there's a five year time skip and Hall moves to San mm-hmm. Francisco and starts working in this white advertising company it's like giving a little madman except you know how like it takes mm. eight seasons of mad Men for them to be like advertising is actually a ruse and it's an, an illusion made by the American dream to sell people things it took Hall like half a second which I mean makes sense he was like this whole right. thing is a ruse that's used to sell consumerism to the American public right. and that's kind of shitty, but I need a job. And typical, like, I feel like this is the black, or maybe it's a POC existential, like, experience where you're like, I know the ruse. I know the gag. I Mm. still need the coin. So, I'm gonna keep doing it. Anyway, the job lets him go home to New York every once in a while. So, he's like, eh, it's fine. Meanwhile, Arthur is in Canada. Crunch is working at an alternative school and he has this, like, unnamed girlfriend and we don't really get too much. Crunch kind of falls a little bit out of the story, but, and Arthur and him honestly kind of They've broken up in some capacity. Red is on uh, drugs because of the war. And Pina is doing civil rights work. So he's going, like, down to the south and doing stuff there. Arthur is also kind of also doing civil rights things. But he kind of does it under the guise of singing, which is really cool. But anyway. Mm. So while on a flight back to New York, Paul's, like, flipping a magazine, you know, drinking a martini. Like, he has mm. probably water, like, a bottle of water, because he could do that back then. He probably... Brought it on with him on the plane. Probably brought a switch <laughs> knife too. Right. Probably took his shoes on just, through TSA.
0: Exactly. Probably took like twenty minutes. Uh, truly. Like, just to get and probably walked straight to mm-hmm. the gate. Like didn't even go through security. Probably. Pro- you know, truly. That,
1: truly. Anyway, so he's so. while he's like contemplating how this will all change in the early twenty first century, he notices Julia, <laughs> Julia <laughs> in a feature <laughs> in the magazine. <laughs> Marcy and I'll go on the plane, too. Like, this is wild. This is wild. Anyway, but... For y'all ain't got security? Yo. Like, that's
0: wild. No masks,
1: huh? Yeah.
0: I know, yeah. literally. Y'all just out here wild, apparently. <laughs>
1: Jesus. But, y'all live like this? Are you all, yeah, y'all live like this? You're smoking <laughs> on the plane. Y'all are just gonna smoke... Get the
0: fuck out of here.
1: On the we could burn the ah, plane! Y'all know there's anyway. on the plane, right? All right, well, do what you gotta do. <laughs> anyway, so... Anyway. Um, <laughs> Hall is not at all concerned about the smoke-filled cabin, because he is... Looking at Julia on the pages of the magazine, he's like, Huh, Julia, Julia. I used to know her as a kid, the preacher Julia. And Julia likes Mm -hmm. talks in the magazine. She's like, Yeah, it's me. So he lands and he runs over to her place and he's like, Oh, I'm in love with you. And you're like, Okay, okay, a little fast there, Romeo, but here we go. So (laughs) they catch up, and while that's happening, Jimmy comes through and he's like, I've been living here. And he and Julia are actually a lot closer than they used to be. So we'll get to that in a second. So Hall and Julia go on a date and they talk, they talk about a lot of things, you know, they talk about what happened to her in New Orleans. And and honestly, Julia just, oh, she was clearly having a hard time. Like she, she mm-hmm. you know she was very very injured very sick from what happened and and while she wanted to put up a strong front she just couldn't like she just had to start relying mm-hmm. on on her family and then and, and jimmy kind of her grandmother was very vague about what happened and jimmy was like you know what happened did he put his hands on you and i don't know how much julia told or didn't tell jimmy but she was like he she at least was like he did beat me up i mean well i mean it was a little easy to you know, whatever but Jimmy was Mm -hmm. like that. Me too. Like he beat me up too. And their relationship becomes closer. And I think they both just realized they both were the victims of their parental parents neglect and abuse. So Julie got approached while in New Orleans to like wear cost while she was like wearing costumes and just being cute. Probably at that Mardi Gras that Mm -hmm. Hall has behind him at all (laughs) (laughs) times. but she was asked to pursue a modeling career and she decided to like bring Jimmy back to New York. And along with modeling, there's like a bit of sex work that she's doing to support her and Jimmy. I don't know. I, well, I'm like, I'm fine with sex work. I, I, there is something here that I'm kind of like, there's a bit of, there's a bit of trauma and a bit of sort of, in the way Julia speaks is a bit of self blame happening and and maybe hyper sexualization Mm. based on her father's behavior, but I'm not going to diagnose a fictional character in a book. So anyway, Julia feels a sense of protection over her father and, and blames herself, hence my point earlier. And Hall, for once, is, mm. is kind of helpful and is like, no, like, it's just not your fault. Like, everyone around mm. you failed you, and that's kind of the end of the story. And I know I, Marcy put in the notes, which I agree with, that it kind of falls a little flat considering that Hall was there and an adult, and there are other adults around. Mm. And a lot of cultural context to that that makes not, none of it justifiable. But I, I think in retrospect, everyone's a bit ashamed of themselves
0: for what's happened
1: to this to this girl but right. so and so anyway but that's that's neither here nor there because it's not the discussion section so the two start seeing each other and it, it's really more about hall's perspective it's really about how he feels and like he's in love with julia not to say his feelings are inaccurate or incorrect or invalid they're very mm-hmm. valid but it is very much from his his perspective he wants to marry julia he's in love with her but he feels her a bit intangible elusive hard mm-hmm. to hold on to so mm. Arthur comes back from Canada and he's like, Man, I dig at Canada. <laughs> he's like, It's different from America. <laughs> it's not really the same. It's not really a lot of us up there. I don't know. I don't really know what that's all about, but. But he's like, I'm not even really sure if we're speaking about the same things or what about my music moves people. And I think this is, I have a thought about this, about the way black music moves people, but people don't know entirely why. And you sort of wonder sometimes, like, what it is it that you're connecting with? And maybe it's that deep, deep human experience. Mm. But you would think that would then, you know, connect you to sort of like the layers, right? If you could get the deep human humanity of it, couldn't you like get... The context, the social context, anyway, whatever, that's, I'm off topic. So <laughs> and he also was talking to a couple of First Nation people, and he was like, you know, it was a really good conversation. Like, he was like, I feel like we were, we were like in conversation with each other. Like, I felt like we got each other a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Jimmy comes over, and there's a bit of a mood between him and Arthur. Like it's a little of a thing. And, and uh, Jimmy's also doing a lot of civil rights work in the South, as we mentioned before. And he offers to go down South with Arthur. And... I don't know like it's it's cute and it's sweet and and I don't know Hulk can kind of tell Arthur's not entirely comfortable with his queerness and his sexuality I also think there's something here about crunch and you know crunch is his heart and he's he and crunch are kind of estranged mm. now so there's a little bit of like sorrow and worry and, and and some of the things crunch said right like you need to grow up now like this is not you know, whatever right so there's some mention of him but no one remembers no one's really seen him Um, they're like he's gotten mm-hmm. a bit bitter since the war Red as well Anyway, they go yeah, out. Crunch
0: to- just, whew, fully fell off. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, they go out to dinner, and Jimmy starts talking about the civil rights work he's been doing. And there's a really interesting bit about about racism and how it transforms and makes you murderous. Um, and I think we should talk about, but not now because it's not discussion section. And with that, Ako just like passed the ball slick over to Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> was it graceful? No, but it was slick. So. <laughs>
0: I'm just, I'm just gonna catch it with one hand, oh. like just, you know, and continue to just, you know, keep down this, this. down this metaphorical field. So. Anywho, so there's this whole thing where like Arthur and Jimmy are like ooh boop boop boop, flirt flirt flirt, whoop, boop boop whatever. But like (laughs) you know, the the next day, like basically Arthur has to leave and he starts like he I think he goes out west to do some more shows before he eventually goes back before he eventually goes down south, which we'll talk about in a second. Jimmy goes back down south specifically to Birmingham. Um, So yeah, so apparently Julia and and Hall broke up. Julia moved to Cote d'Ivoire and Abidjan to like find herself, Mm -hmm. and Hall was like hella devastated, like literally depressed as fuck and like arthur and florence and paul were like girl we're worried low key but like um we just go check up on you every now and again but like hall's like clearly going through it so there's a piece where paul and florence actually come to visit and um basically paul and hall like went to this bar where they just like drank and like listened to music and just like cried and like just had this whole emotional like thing florence was like girl that sounds like a lot um hall your place is a complete nightmare so i'm just gonna like get your space together, hopefully by cleaning it, I don't know, it kind of provides you more of like a, like a, like a, like a open right. head space or whatever. So, sweet. you know, they're trying to just, you know, show up for Hall, et cetera. So at this point, Arthur, Pina and Hall decide, you know what, let's actually go down South. Let, 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 let's see what, what, what is giving. So they decide to go on this like kind of Southern tour through Richmond, Atlanta, Birmingham and Tallahassee. So they're on the way down and basically while they're traveling um, down south, there's just a lot of mention of like the terror of southern racism. And like we kind of just see these vignettes of of Arthur doing some shows here and there. But it's clear that like this type of like his kind of like what Aqua was mentioning earlier, like this type of, you know, his gospel singing is very much putting a target on his back. Mm -hmm. It's also very interesting kind of seeing the terror of Southern racism and like kind of this Jim Crow era being described from like a Northern black perspective. I feel like I'm, I'm not used to, mm. you know what? That That's a whole discussion point. We'll, we'll get into that later. Anyway. Um, so basically so they're going down south first stop they go to is Richmond so they're so when they get there they're hosted by one Miss Isabel Reed Mm -hmm. and her husband so they do a show at like their local church you know it's all cute but it kind of establishes this trend that we start to see throughout all of the shows in the south where like you know Arthur and friends will like go into the church but there's always this like crew of like white racists like outside the Mm -hmm. church or like across the street just like looming and trying to like you know intimidate um you know the black people who are just gathering (laughs) literally so there's like literally yeah like participating
1: in their own enjoyment and fun and people planned (laughs) they got in their motorcycles right coordinated just sitting around literally
0: white people who literally could have probably have to clock else. in the next day. Are right. like you know what? Let me just let me take time out of my day to just intimidate a bunch of black people who I do not know because the fact that y'all are gathering and being happy is just
1: it's offensive. That
0: it, it, it just it, it, like I can't sleep at night because <laughs> thinking about <laughs> your you happiness all. offends me. Right, so literally, yikes! But um, so we start to see that trend just sort of throughout mm-hmm. all of these different these different performances. But um, you know, the next day they decide that like, okay, we're gonna go to Atlanta. Along the way, we're gonna go to Charlotte and like visit Peanut's like hating ass family. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Peanut just basically his family is very like anti-black. So like Arthur Hall, like, Girl, I really don't want to do that. But like, I mean, <laughs> the food might hit. So like, we'll go. And but plus like, we
1: need I'm not. There's this sense that like we we cannot just be driving around with nowhere to go like because once exactly. the night hits we we can't we can't not have a place to be
0: right and like you know sundown
1: towns mm-hmm. and all that
0: but um but basically um. So they're on their way to Charlotte, Peanut, Arthur, and Hall. And along the way, Peanut kind of just tells the two more about his relationship with Red, Mm -hmm. how close they were. Um, We kind of just see a lot of vignettes of them kind of growing up together. So the two of them are like, I think, distant cousins, but they lived together for a period of time. And Red, you know, always kind of had these like different interests. Like at one point he wanted to be a boxer, Mm -hmm. then he wanted to be a tap dancer. Mm -hmm. And even though Peanut's grandmother usually is like, I hate black people, like Red was like the exception Mm -hmm. to, I guess his grandmother's bigotry. But we also see sort of how, you know, after the war, Peanut, I mean, not Peanut, but Red kind of, you know, sort of fell into these, adi- like, you know, drug addictive habits and like how that kind of tore their family apart, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and, you know, Peanut really tried to like reach out to Red, but like it just really wasn't like yeah. it was effective it, in some ways, but it was just, you know, addiction's hard, right? right. So it was just kind of like witnessing someone go Especially through that. Especially
1: thinking about just how like we're in an opioid crisis now we've been in Mm -hmm. a drug crisis before considering the social assistance that you're getting for that like it's not high (laughs) so it's like it's such a burden on your your family and love system because addiction is a Mm -hmm. a very difficult thing to handle it's just difficult anyway continue
0: exactly so so yeah so he's just kind of going about you know talking about that he also talks about how he and Red had this um like one time sexual interaction mm. like when they were much younger and like how you know he was just very like Peanut really just like really like really enjoyed that experience and like liked being able to do something that like kind of gave um Red pleasure so it was just you know kind of like talking about this and then basically kind of ended by just talking about how he almost wishes that Red I don't know like. Died instead of you know kind of witnessing his decline like this mm-hmm. like just through drug addiction, because there'd be something i mean while someone's death is like traumatic it's it's very sudden and kind of for you know it's sort of like okay, like well i I get to hold on to my image of this person, but kind of seeing red like kind of disappear and deteriorate in this way it is hurts. just sort of, is it, honestly more difficult yeah. um and so Arthur and Hall just kind of listen they don't really say much, but you know obviously it's it's, it's clear that they're kind of holding space, but um anyway. So they all get to Atlanta. Um, the three of them decide to stay with the Reed's friends in Atlanta, and so they're like at this function. You know, it's like a bunch of black people, like you know, kicking whatever. And like basically, there's rumors going around that the Klan is scheming. They, they 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 trying to plot something. So at one point, the three of them, so Arthur Hall and Pina, end up going to their car, and along the way, they run into these white men who are just literally looking for some bullshit. Like, it was just on some, like, on site. Oh, we see through black men. Like, mm. it's a pro, it's, it's an immediate problem. Yep. So they come up to them, trying to, like, intimidate them, whatever. Yep, yep. You know, they hear their, like, northern accents and, like, basically just start, like, kind of. Trying to physically intimidate them and like fight them and shit. Thankfully, there was this black woman who was like nearby witnessing this interaction, and was like, oh, mm-hmm. absolutely abso- it's a shop completely. So she was like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely not, girl. Y'all, I'm gonna need everyone to gather outside because what the fuck? So all these black people come outside and they're like, Oh, what's the problem? What's the problem? And then the white man had the audacity the temerity, really the lack of foresight mm-hmm. to be like, you know what? It's still problem. Right. We go we go start some mess. And then of course, it's an all-out brawl breaks out. These white men get they shit rocked. <laughs> (laughs) Like, it's just, it's rocked just completely. It's not even, it's just, it it just wasn't even close. It was embarrassing Um, for them. Right, honestly. I'm like, they got the asses. What? So, um, basically, they're like, wow, yikes. I guess we have to, like, kind of leave with our tails between our legs Mm -hmm. and just kind of, like, I don't know. admit that black people overpower us. (laughs) Right. Um, There was also a scene where Peanut, like, was particularly mad at one of them and, like, knocked him in the face before he left, which we'll go back to. But basically after as a result of this scuffle Arthur who had a show that night actually busted his lip. Yeah. And so at first like Hall was like girl what the fuck and then like one of the hosts was like yeah Arthur you should probably stay your ass at home because you know it's a whole you have a you need to heal um but then Arthur was like no it's fine like we can just go to the church I'll sing like one or two like soft songs which I don't know what like a soft song <laughs> is
1: but he was just like Arthur's I'll like, sing I some I just s- don't want them to win kind of thing.
0: Mm yeah definitely that. So he's like, I'll keep it low key. And then they're like, Hall's like, okay, but like you have to bring your ass back and like sit the fuck down. And he's like, okay, cool. Whoa, whoop, whoop, that's fine. So anyway, so they go to the church. Um, Arthur sings his songs, whatever. The races are still outside. Um, <sighs> and once everyone adjourns, you know, people are like packing up, whatever. Pina at one point tells Arthur like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom for a second. Mind you, the bathroom's outside. And they never see Peanut again. Again, yeah. he just completely disappeared. They go to like the outhouse where he, he was. He did and not like disappear. See. The,
1: the white men took him and they 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 killed him. That it was right. Strange. I mean, he did not. Do, I, the yeah. book says he disappeared, but I just I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm cutting off. I'm just so upset because I, the the number of people who have quote unquote disappeared, and they knew everybody knew every the shock. Everyone's faces like went like like a ghost and they're like he's he's gone and we're never gonna figure out what happened to him and no one's ever gonna cough to anything and there's no point in a trial and there's no point in going to the police and there were people who did that the people white southern people who did that did it they killed a man and then covered it up anyway sorry right. continue
0: no you're good um no and, and also i mean that's that's exactly what happened um you know the it, and when they went to the to the bathroom all they saw was like peanuts like discarded notebook but yeah like i mean obviously he was murdered and like you know it's it's just one of those things where like they went to the police the next day but like it was one of those things where they just i mean it wasn't they Fruitful. knew nothing was going no, yeah. nothing was going to happen like it they yeah so anyway so after it this everyone's you know obviously yeah seriously um so everyone's just like really devastated. Um, and, you know, it's just at this point, it just feels like everything's kind of crumbling a little mm-hmm. bit. So, you know, when you look back at their original quartet, you know, Crunch is hella distant from Arthur. Peanut is dead. Red is addicted to drugs. Julia's... And Cote d'Ivoire and, like, you know, no one's really heard much from her. Like, Hall is kind of, like, at this, like, I don't know, shitty advertising job. Like, it just seems like, I mean, Jimmy is, like, God knows where, you know? Like, it just seems like (laughs) everyone's just, like, all over the place. Arthur just feels like, damn, like, this community that I had, like, it's just kind of, I don't know. We're all sort of, like, split up or gone or, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, it's just, like, kind of a lot. So time skips a little bit and we actually see a bit where arthur is in paris for a bit Mm -hmm. so while he's alone in paris like he actually kind of enjoys the anonymity of being in a larger city by himself he doesn't really speak french so he's just kind of like yeah like i'm kind of just forced to like be observant and people watch and whatever and like this time really does and i can very much relate to this but like it kind of gives him the space to really just do a lot of processing so he thinks a lot about like crunch during this time he thinks a lot about seeing jimmy again because the two of them had like a very I don't know, just had like a really earnest, Ooh, like earnest. loving conversation before, yes. like the last time they saw each other and Arthur was kind of like, damn, like like if I didn't have to like leave the next day, like or Jimmy and I could have, I don't know. Do I don't know.
1: I think Arthur's giving me Ar- Hall vibes here where he was like, damn, if I didn't have to leave the next day and you're like, I think you're avoiding some of your feelings and this is a convenient excuse for you to not have to deal with them. But this is neither here nor really? there. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause he has this moment. where he was like, there was the, where the Arthur kind of, the author shows their hand a little and it's like, really Arthur was a little afraid, <laughs> like he was a little mm. nervous about the whole thing. But anyway, continue.
0: Yeah, so in a way it's kind of cute so yeah, so
1: because it it makes the the hall and him. It's clear why they're brothers, not why they're right. brothers, but it's clear you know you do things that your siblings would do. Anyway, continue.
0: Right. No, and and I think also too Jimmy is someone where it's like. Jimmy was just so un- unapologetic Ooh, yes. with the shit. Like he was like, listen, I am I am feeling for you heavy. Yep, yep, it's yep. no it's no games over here, Mama. Like literally no smoke screens, like all the mirrors and shit. Yeah. We left them at home. Like I'm I'm into you. I, let's, <laughs> I'm less I'm in shit. I am home. down boots. The moment you tell me, we go listen. Absolutely. Like he was giving very that. Yeah. And Arthur was like Hoochah! I know if, it, if I ever if I ever hit Jimmy up, it's never it's not it's not on some casual whatever you, you know, know. So yeah. like I think he's kind of like there's
1: something that's said about yeah. that. It's not casual. Like if if it's if we're in, it's serious. That freaks people exactly. out. Commitment freaks people out. Right. Anyway, sorry.
0: And I think also too, Arthur's used to we we see too that he kind of has these more like ephemeral interactions with folks, um, which which is evidenced by something that we'll, I'll talk about in a second. But um, I think yeah, something so so standing would be kind of like oh shit, like what the fuck? Yes, heck? yes. Into who? So. While in Paris, Arthur meets a white man named, um, so I was listening to the audiobook and they pronounce his name Guy. So I'll just, I'll just say Guy. Sure. So they meet, so he meets this guy named Guy Lazar. Honestly, they, I won't call it a subplot because it actually was pretty <laughs> foundational in like Arthur changing his, his paradigms. But basically to sum up some of the details, essentially the two of them kind of have this whirlwind weekend romance. Romans. They meet on like a Friday. Arthur has to fly back, I think Monday or some shit, Tuesday. Um, it is so basically very they have, different like, over the,
1: from the rest of the book. This section it's much more yeah. similar to Giovanni's room without it without the yes. of Giovanni's room, but with and this one i this is Giovanni's room done with because I think we talked about this on the other episode like where I it, it was a conversation about race. And, and, and queerness, but because the book was done earlier in James Baldwin's career, I think he just chose mm. one and he chose queerness. Whereas here, right. at the end of his life, he's putting the two together with really an un- unabashed, you know, sort of concern for what society would think. And, and so in that, you get this really kind of philosophical conversation about, about whiteness that's possibly allowed to be more honest because both of these men are queer or because they're in Europe or because Lord knows why. Akko, it's not the discussion section. Throw the ball back to Marcy. She did a quick chest pass.
0: <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, they have this weekend romance, but like, you know, obviously, they, they, they go on dates, they have sex, like, they just have all these. I mean, not obviously, but like, they, these are things that happen, mm-hmm. and then like, um, you know, they end up actually seeing one of Arthur's dad's musical contemporaries, mm-hmm. like a man by the name of Sonny Carr. But, but like Akko mentioned, they also have a lot of just sort of honest conversations around blackness and in sort of an international context, how it sort of intersects with, yeah, you know, these ideas of like, you know, Western modernity and all of that. I think Arthur has to reckon a lot with like kind of the way that be, like being specifically a black American kind of shows up
1: mm-hmm.
0: abroad mm-hmm. and like kind of how he views other black people and like kind of the, how there's in a cultural whiteness that he perhaps has internalized to some degree. is really, really interesting. Yeah, it um, is. There's, there's a lot here that they talk about, but Anyways, this whole weekend romance, is like this whole thing. But at the end of it, basically, Arthur's like, damn, Guy, this was sickening. But, you know, I got to go back to New York. And <laughs> oh, he was like, yeah, girl, I get Sorry, it. let me just
1: backflip. So I'm right, like, out of the country.
0: Right. And then, like, the b- book four, the so what we're talking about right now, ends with, like, Julia also flying from, <laughs> from from I think she was also flying from Paris, actually, because yeah. she was, her flight from Cote d'Ivoire, like, it was a flight to Paris and then New York. Like, she's also flying to New York. And I'm like, oh, wow, so Julia, are we going to hear more? And they're like, um, let's just start book five now. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So book five starts with kind of present day. And it's basically, the, uh, it, it's a day where like Hall is about to like link up with like Julia and Jimmy to just kind of like talk about some things. He really only meets up with Jimmy and basically Jimmy kind of gets to talking more about just sort of his, whole, his you know, his mourning process with, yeah. with Arthur and kind of how he feels somewhat responsible because like part of the reason why Arthur was in London alone where he was murdered was that like the two of them, Arthur and Jimmy, had like some kind of scuffle, well, not scuffle, like a fight the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Arthur was like, I'm going to go to London, blah, blah, blah. And then, but the the plan was they were going to meet up the next day and fly back to New York. So, Jimmy feels like, damn, like, if perhaps, like, I wasn't, you know, like, if I was there, like, you know, we didn't have that fight, maybe things would have been different. And so, at this point, the book kind of goes back in time and we sort of see Julia's return from Abidjan and basically, we sort of, Vaguely hear about her experience, where like she was—I don't even know how long she was there. Two I, it was years, like two or three it was years. Two yeah, years. Like
1: that. <laughs> Arthur's three months in France gets like a whole miniature book. <laughs> Julia's like in Cote d'Azur. Like a vague mention two. of two women she kind of met and some philosophical meanderings. So anyway, continue.
0: Right, and so basically, she—I don't know. Julia was, I guess, they're trying to find some semblance of home, but like wasn't mm-hmm. really able to find home, and like sort of how. You know,
1: like there's a parallel here in Arthur's experience, of being Black American, yeah. and what does that mean when you're for Arthur? It's what does that mean amongst Europeans and the the Black diaspora? For mm-hmm. Julia, it was like what does that mean when you're in Africa when you've been given so many ideas of what African means? And they right exactly, and you feel similar, but then also distance from these people that see you similarly, but also differently. So exactly, so some really interesting
0: philosophical Mm -hmm. musings that I would have loved to have, um, seen. Um, but you know, it's fine to also just kind of be told, um, quickly through Hall's narration (laughs) Julia's Julius (laughs) philosophical musings. But anyway, um, see so yeah, so blah blah blah, whatever. Like at this point, Arthur's like doing his thing, but he's not like fully famous yet. There's like a super brief subplot about how Hall met his current wife, Ruth. Basically, TLDR, they were like at this party and like she was wearing this like really fun ornate hat, and like, he was like, Oh, she was just like so fun, and like, ooh like yeah. And that's Yeah, it was pretty it.
1: uneventful, huh?
0: Yeah, that was kind of that. Honestly, I was like, I feel like it would have just made more sense for Hall to just end up with Julia, but whatever. It's or fine. just anyway. Could-
1: Cut it from the book. Just cut the whole. Right. Anyway.
0: Anyway. So, (laughs) so at this point, um, so again, we're still, this is still a flashback. You know, Hall and Arthur actually went back down south. And, you know, it obviously brings up a lot because that's where Pina was murdered. You know, there's a lot of trauma there. But while they're there, they actually run into jimmy and so like that's kind of how arthur and jimmy get reconnected Mm -hmm. and sort of fall in love there's also uh, some mentioning about how one of their bandmates so arthur's bandmate a guy by the name of scott was like kidnapped and like forced into a (sighs) chain gang um for like soliciting or some shit or like like, basically he was just like outside and like a cop Mm -hmm. approached him and he like had an attitude quote unquote so they like forced him into labor um because slavery never ended but um anyway so so jimmy and arthur you know kind of pick up where they left off jimmy arthur and hall are able to raise some money and get scott back and basically the four of them go back to to new york so while they're there hall's like okay i'm gonna meet up with ruth who i just met we don't really know much about her but you know i'm just like super into her like oop 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 yes and then he gets a call from none other than julia and he's like oh my god <laughs> so basically him and julia decide to meet up the next day hall and julia and they have this whole conversation. About about how like, you know, Julie was talking about how, like, you know, she while she was in Cote d'Ivoire, she was like, Oh, like, you know, no one really discovered Africa. Like, people talking about they discovered Africa. Like, child, nobody discovered it. I think she might have moved to Côte d'Ivoire for a man. I'm not I, I don't know if I just wasn't reading that section closely enough.
1: It kind of seemed like she was because there was a man who was older than her and they were lovers, but it seems like she was like, I yeah, he was there, but it wasn't really my main object. I I mean I think in this part of the story, you see that Julia... And Hall mentions this. He was kind of like, no one could really have mm-hmm. Julia. Like, you couldn't really hold her because she she doesn't really want to be held by anyone. I mean, that's from a man's perspective on the thing. I was kind of like, all right, maybe she doesn't want to be held yeah, by you. Okay. But but more like, she, right. Julia was more focused in her. <laughs> Not to say that Julia doesn't like Hall, but I, I think Julia's more focused on what, what this whole... Because she mentioned, she was like, I went there and I found sort of what you know my identity she says her womanhood means to me like to me outside of the context of everything that's happened Mm -hmm. and the definitions of sort of you know the black patriarchal powers that abused her and 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 kind of abandoned her and you know the overarching american structure that allowed for that abuse to happen so so she's really on a self-discovery thing and there was a man i guess (laughs) he was around right
0: a man existed during Um, this but yeah. but i
1: guess similar to how julia is somehow irrelevant to these men's life i guess these men were irrelevant you know what i mean like in a similar way that yeah they apparently julia has no story and ruth and martha you know barely get any screen time sure. it's a similar okay what were you saying <laughs> so,
0: yeah so like all that happened th- so they're talking about all that Julia also worked for like an airline at some point oh, yeah. and like learned multiple languages and you know something 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 Boof, boofed off something 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 <laughs> um, you know self-discovery <laughs> anyway so basically we kind of skip to uh, quickly you know it's like okay the Julia part's over whoop okay let's talk about Arthur and Jimmy um, <laughs> so like basically the, the, the book kind of shows Arthur and Jimmy together we kind of see them like integrating with Ruth and mm-hmm. Hall and like you know it's this whole thing Arthur has this whole dynamic with Jimmy where like Jimmy's just, like, very earnest and, like, super bright. And Arthur's like, oh, my God, this bitch is so annoying. Like, oh, my God, I'm so annoyed. <laughs> but, like, clearly very charmed and, like, you know, like, touched by Jimmy's antics. You know, it's this whole, like, feigned annoyance thing. It's cute, whatever, whatever. But, um, you know, it's kind of hinted that over time, the two of them became more distant just because as Arthur rose in fame, there was also the introduction of you know drugs a lot of sorrow i think arthur kind of feeling like you know he just wasn't really connecting to singing he yeah. didn't really necessarily want to do it just feeling kind of unhappy we actually see the scene where he was at the british pub i guess the pub in london um where he was drinking and then he ends up like going to the bathroom and like that's where we lo- that's where we know he was murdered we still don't really know what happened yeah. fully. it was kind of very like Elusive, like you kind of see him going down the stairs, and then kind of like just skips the epilogue, and I'm like, "What? Marcy was he (laughs) murdered,
1: or did he have a heart attack?
0: I think he was murdered because they were talking about how like something something about a bunch of fists at the very beginning of the book.
1: Oh, like my impression
0: was that someone followed him into the bathroom and like beat him to death.
1: Yeah, you see, that's what I thought too. But then I was like, the way they're describing it feels like no, he died presumably of a heart attack. I think he didn't get killed. I think he... Really? Yeah. Because when I was reading it, I was like, this doesn't sound like anyone's murdering him at all. It sounds like he's having a heart attack. Um, sorry, I just looked it up on E-Notes because, you know, why would I? Well, the internet, basically, I just went to the internet and asked. But I could be wrong. We could all be wrong. I just... Wait, so e said he had a heart attack. Yeah, but I said presumably. Even, even E-Notes doesn't know. <laughs> Do you? God damn! Yeah. Okay, well, shit. I guess Arthur Okay, J-Store and... also says died of a heart attack. So that J-Store is a little bit more, of a, you know...
0: What the fuck was I
1: reading? I was like, oh, yeah, clearly. Well, okay, I think well, they, never mind. I think, um, I think that's the point, right? I think it's supposed... To, uh, so many, you know, people have been killed by violence. Where, Of course, we're assuming it would be some type of physical violence by someone. But death comes mm-hmm. to us all. Yeah. Also, there's got to be something about, like, the stress and systemic oppression causing health effects. But, mm. but also maybe just the suddenness. That you lose people so suddenly in different ways. Anyway, I don't know. Right. I don't know, Marcy, but back to you. Back to you.
0: Yeah, so um that. And then uh, basically now yeah, so the book basically ends with um like the entire book, not just book five, but like the entire book ends with um <laughs> a dream that Hall has with like basically everybody from the book, and there's like this whole rainstorm and like there's like something over yonder and everyone's like, Oh girl, what's over yonder? And then Arthur keeps saying, like, oh nothing's over yonder, it's just us and then Hall wakes up to like tears on his pillow. That he shed while asleep. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's um, <laughs> yeah. that's how the book ends. So um, now we're going to take a quick break and then get into our thoughts and feelings and go from there.
1: Hello. And we're back. We are. Woo. So thanks for sticking with us. Here we are in this book, reading it. Um, I guess we'll start with our <laughs> general thoughts and feelings and then we can probably get into the rest of it. So I, I mm-hmm. think, I mean, it's an understatement to say this book is brilliant because it is brilliant um like i said at the beginning it's a bit more of a stream of consciousness but i also think it's a Mm -hmm. bit more refined like a little bit of like a red wine oh god this is gonna sound like not accessible it's not like red wine it's like it's like a ginger (laughs) ale it it, is like yeah like a like a ginger ale all the flavors are there it's well mixed together whereas like i feel Mm -hmm. like his he james baldwin knows what he wants to say in this book and he's not afraid to say it without with a metaphor, he doesn't need a metaphor to cover up what he's trying to tell you. Mm, he's just telling you. Right. Um, he's not right. embarrassed or abashed about emotions and feelings and being gay and mm-hmm. and being in love and being black and the struggles and the beauty of it and 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 the difficulty of of loving across the color line and loving in in your community and 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 the violence. He's not afraid to speak of. I think there is a retrospection about the 20th century in this book about the American experience or the human experience of the 20th century, the violence of the Korean war and the Vietnam war and how that plays into violence brought back home in this, and in, in sort of the drug addiction. I think we completely underestimate how much war and drug addiction go together. And, and, mm-hmm. and in that sense, the, <laughs> the government's, the government's, um, willingness to send young boys to war and unwillingness to help with drug addiction is like astoundingly atrocious in that context, right? Like mm. even more so. It's already atrocious just in general. But so so those connections are really clear. And and again, his descriptions of the terror of racism, the feeling of it, the palpitation of it. You feel it, feel it strongly and and i think he does a really good job of disavowing some misconceptions that like black people in the 1950s weren't like woo desegregation in the sense that they're like woo finally we get access to white spaces it's like no woo right. we just want a better living conditions for us. We just want the inconvenience that white people perpetuate with, like weird car r- rules about who can sit where in a car and who- this and that. You know, this uh, this things that make them our lives difficult. That going away and making our lives easier is what we want. We don't particularly want the um, affirmation <laughs> of white people, and white people mm. haven't given us any freedom that we didn't already have. And I think this is the biggest. I literally, I was in our graduate school program. And this, So these people are in their <laughs> their 20s. Someone's like, you know, black people should be grateful to Lincoln. And you're like, for what? <laughs> oh, my God. Be grateful for what? There's nothing to be grateful for. I mean, I think the biggest misconception, oh, the Constitution gave black people their freedom. Right, so the civil rights of government gave. Black. You can't give people things that already belong to them. Okay, you can't. Mm. And, and there's this really brilliant interview with... Um, a former enslaved person and someone's coming down and they're, it's a white man. He's like talking. He's like, you know, I want to, I'm here because I think you have the same rights as me. You know, I want to give you your, your, your liberty. And and she was like, Oh, you still have the disease. And he was like, what? She was like, you, you cannot give me anything. You can't give me my humanity. You can't give me my freedom. You, you can't give me anything because I'm a human being. You can Mm -hmm. take things from me, which you've done, (laughs) but you certainly can't give it to me. You can't, and and I I think that's what James Baldwin's saying here too. Like, what? And I think that's always been the sentiment. And I'm glad that this book exists too. Of like. Avoid the retcon that the, the modern twenty first century has made, in which people were mm-hmm. were graciously excited to to integrate with people who literally on the regular try to murder. Them. <laughs> like right. why? And they say that you are like, why would I want to hang out with someone who cannot seem to understand my humanity? I don't. I don't. But if integration is the only way that we get access to resources, so there it is, and. I, I think there's a lot of lens on whiteness and the co coer- co. What's it? What did we say earlier? Coercion, co the. What do we say about the coercive the co? Inco- what's that thing? Batteries the do. of it. No, the, the, the oh corrosion. Yeah, corrosion. Yeah. The corros-
0: uh, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> but I also think to our point about bitterness and whether or not it's justified. There's a bitterness in the white people who are causing violence to the black members, there's a deep bitterness that they do. And then and instead of dealing with that bitterness, wherever that comes from, it's, they project it and that violence on other people. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so that the book really does a great job of describing that. Does the book do a great job about Julia and Martha and Ruth? No, obviously not. We talked about this in the first. <laughs> I think the book mm-hmm. does a little better giving, giving a little more perspective on things than I thought. How do I say this? The book is aware that it is not completely understanding the humanity and the depth of Julia. And it throws kind of like similar in On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous where there are moments where Joel, um, not Joel, where Hall is like, there's probably like a deeper thing here (laughs) that I don't understand. Anyway, back to Mm. me. (laughs) Oh my God. But anyway, that was my overall. I I dig this book. I dig it a lot. Um, it, It illuminated a lot of things for me when it comes to uh, to racism and sorrow and love, and and so I really dig it. But what about you, Marcy? Yeah. So this book was. I'm still
0: trying to parse how I feel about it. I don't know. I feel like this is. I feel very conflicted with this book. I don't know. Like I, I think for the most part, I, I would certainly say I enjoyed it. Like I, you know, definitely I was like kind of curious to see like what's gonna happen next and all of that. Um, I think for me it was. <laughs> I like you're gonna be like, "Bitch, are you serious?" It was a little long-winded. of you know, be yeah, totally honest, like it, it, it definitely felt like there was just a lot of like philosophical like musings and just talk of like things. Which, like, yes, yeah, brilliant, literally brilliant. <laughs> like, like the shit said brilliant, but I was, I don't know. There was certainly portions where I was like. Cha, we are on page <laughs> 408. Like, girl, we've been doing this for so long. long. I also think that there was something that I noticed in the book where, um, I don't know if this is characteristic of, of Baldwin's writing, but, like, it felt like, I, mean, I don't know if it was Hall in particular, but he, I feel like there was a lot of, like, hyperbole in the book, which is not usually, I'm usually not the girl that's like, <laughs> there's a lot of hyperbole in the book. Like, I'm, I usually don't give that. But, like, there were, like, a lot of lines where it would be things like, Arthur then gave the most, just the most beautiful ex- smile he'd ever seen or like, oh my God, the way the sun, r- it was just the most beautiful thing. Just at- like, there was a lot of like the most beautiful thing or the most uh, gorgeous. like it was just very <laughs> like, was like intense type of language like that, which is like, again, which is like fine. But I think sometimes like it felt like, it, it felt a little too early with some of the dynamics mm-hmm. like it's kind of like okay like yes to describe sydney as having like these really beautiful features whatever but it's also kind of like you just met sydney so i don't know sometimes they felt I a wonder, little bit like
1: i wonder he sorry to interrupt but i wonder if because baldwin's writing this in like the 70s he's really trying like in an atmosphere right where to be gay and to be black they're almost seen as, as like failings in America, and I I wonder if he's like he's combating something, you know. I, I mean, maybe he just feels this way, right? He just. But because to be fair, Marcy, you and I, I think sometimes people would be like, "Y'all didn't have any more descriptive words to say about your emotions," and we're both like, <laughs> "No, no, that was it. We kind of wrapped it up." And they're like, "You get no flowery language." We're like, Mm-mm, "No, <laughs> finish." So yeah. there's there's a difference there, I think. But but I also think it, it is. It is in opposition to the flattening, you know, to, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's like the way you would, you know, maybe deifying someone's a bad idea, but to love someone so much and to see their humanity so mm-hmm. much is in like, you know, it flies in the face of, of sort of the loss, right? Like, you're, it, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, I don't know who James has lost or maybe, you know, who he's, who these mm-hmm. people are stand-ins for, but in a way, I think he's trying to, to bring someone back to life. Or to to mm. entomb them, or enshrine them, keep them alive, beautiful, gorgeous, you know, right Or that love, yeah. that feeling. To say that like, no, these feelings were so real. Everyone keeps telling me they weren't real or that we're not real or that we are flat, but we're not flat. We're so dynamic. You can't even see Mm -hmm. how dynamic we are. I'm going to write it, write it a bunch of times over and over again. There's almost a self-consciousness in this book. This, Mm because I think Baldwin, this book makes so much sense now, but it's prolific in the sense that in the 70s, right? Like he'd be fighting so much to make this point about the humanity mm-hmm. of people who are marginalized. And I think that's where it gets long-winded because he's trying to find fight the societal structures himself. And he's sure that he's right about how he feels about people and places mm-hmm. and our place and our gorgeousness. But he's also self-conscious because society is against that. And I feel like that's, that's where the long-windedness comes from when you're trying to prove a point mm. that you're sure of, but you're insecure. About. <laughs> anyway, I could be wrong. That's just the thought.
0: Yeah. No. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's not like I take issue with it being like, Girl, it can, Oh my you God. You just still cried. take issue. With it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. For me, I mean, certainly I, to your point, I think that definitely a point was certainly made. Like, I mean, it was, it was definitely undeniable sort of the, the adoration that was kind of given to these different characters. But, um, I think i don't know i think for me it was just kind of like after a while it was just like mm-hmm. okay um <laughs> yes mm-hmm, yes yeah. <laughs> but like, i don't know but but that being said it's not like i mean i don't want to sound like a fucking like curmudgeon like oh my god like i hate feelings and like people liking each other but like i don't know i think there were also a lot of things about this book that i also really really liked like you know i liked for instance like kind of what i was bringing up earlier i, I thought it was interesting kind of hearing about southern racism and like kind of you know the era of Jim Crow from like a northern black audience. Um, I feel like being someone who's literally who's like actually from the south, who grew up in Atlanta. You know, it's like I I'm very used to the narrative being like, oh, like that was just the the, the terror of of racism was just happening, and that's just something that we were just kind of like mm. placed within, and like that was just like the context that surrounded you. So it was interesting seeing it from like a distance. Like, oh yeah, girl over there. Ooh yeah, it's a lot going on over there. Like it kind of puts it. It 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 it, it, it just kind of. Zooming out in that way was really, really interesting. And I think it also kind of painted some interesting dynamics as far as, like, you know, the dynamics between, like, you know, northern and southern black people, especially, you know, northern folks who moved as a result, you know, of the Great Migration, like, you know, fleeing this sort of hostile, like, southern racist environment. Right. And like and and how it kind of creates this, yeah, this dynamic where, you know, a lot of these. I mean, like the, the, the certainly what's going on in the South and like the you know the fight for justice taking place there is it has an effect on everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just it's interesting just kind of seeing the northern-southern dynamic there. Um, and I also like too that there wasn't the and also too I think it's because it's a black audience. Like there was just there wasn't that annoying like yeah, girl in the South they're just who my God just backwards just just ain't right. he- no helping them like just un- you know like it there was clearly a lot of respect and like a lot of. I mean, honestly, appreciation for people like, you know, the Reeds and like other folks that they met in the South. They're they like, y'all do this shit all like every day. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, girl, we live here. But like, you know, we holding it down. And it's like there was such an appreciation for that labor, which I really, really appreciate. Yeah. Um, and I
1: think there wasn't there wasn't that divide mm-hmm. where it's like, well, the North is so progressive. I, I think there was more of like. A, exactly. Yeah. Honestly, they just cover it up here. Like it's not like the taxis still don't stop. So like,
0: <laughs> Exactly. So, Yeah. So so you know, really really enjoyed that. I loved. Um, there was something, and this is this almost sounds like a contradiction because I was just like, "Child, this book is long." But like you know, there was something kind of nostalgic and earnest about mm. the length. Like I like something about this book yeah. actually did feel very nostalgic. Like I in reading about you know Crunch and Julia and all them, like I was reminded a lot of like my own upbringing and like kind of how not necessarily at school, but like sort of in the neighborhood that I lived in, like I was, you know, most of my friends in the neighborhood were typically were usually boys. And like, there was, um, I don't know, even like there, there was this one, there's this one girl that I grew up with. Her name was Abigail um, is Abigail. She still is a person. Um, and like it was interesting because even some of Julia's descriptions, like how like he would describe Julia and like some of the, like Julia's like personality in some ways kind of reminded me of her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something about this, this cohort of people that I was kind of like, obviously we grew up in very different like time period settings, whatever, but like it did something felt a little mm-hmm. nostalgic about it um and I don't know, I thought that was just like kind of fun. I also thought it was interesting that like you know i mean I mean straight men, where are they where are they <laughs> honestly because like literally everybody was like. It, it just it was such an open uh, well for the men at least for literally actually only for the men, um there was kind of accepted sorry, yeah, so there was kind of this like I don't know this very open sexual fluidity that mm-hmm. was like, you know, really just sort of like left it up and just sort of casual, you know, like I mean, ultimately speaking, I think i uh, yes, like I mean the book I think yes it, it it's a it's a brilliant book, it's a phenomenal book, I think, yeah, just for me, there was just some part, i think for me, the biggest the gl- i think the most glaring things were just like. I don't know. I feel like if 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 Julia's character, Ruth's character, I, I feel like if the women had like the same level of like depth, depth I feel like it would have been a clear yep. oh my god, this should is sickening. Yep. But I think just seeing the ways in which it's it feels so like I don't Exciting. know. It just seems like there's so much going into certain people over others. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, it kind of makes me be like, oh, uh, like, it's like, yeah, I like this, but like I oh, don't know, I'm not i I can't fully be like, yes, like best shit I've ever read. Mm. um yeah, I, but I did like it, you know <laughs> yeah so, I think that's very i yeah,
1: I think that's a very poignant point, right? like i I was reading this, and I was like, hmm, men have very deep feelings. society really mm-hmm. really underestimates how deep the emotional complexity is of men are. I was like. I can really relate to this on a human level because I also have deep complex feelings. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm able to do that imaginative leap of understanding that men have complex deep feelings because most books are actually written from the perspective of men and their feelings. And I was like, so mm. what's uh what's what's stopping the reverse emotional imagination from happening? And it kind of made me right. think like, you know, I think the biggest difference is in society, do you have a group of people that you can objectify in your becoming? Like, do you have a group of people where you can project things on? And I think mm-hmm. that's the difference, right? I think men <laughs> have women to project sort of a flatness on as they think about mm-hmm. themselves. In the same way whiteness has other races, they can project a flattening on as they think about themselves and make themselves like mm. the main characters. And I think that's that's where the book doesn't entirely land. <laughs> it doesn't examine that. It knows it's happening, mm. right? And And James writes the book from the perspective of a man who is doing those things. But only very vaguely. There's one point where I think, um, is it Hall who was like, you know, when you really like a woman at first, you don't even think of them as a woman. You just think of them as a person. You might never even think of them as a woman. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Are you telling me you humanize people that you're (laughs) attracted to and, or think deeply about the wild thought? Maybe every woman is actually like that. Um, But but and
0: also why are these two separate categories? Like somehow to think of her as a woman somehow means to think of her less (laughs) as a person. Like, but Marcy, you would be
1: surprised the amount of times that someone was like, "You being both a woman and me thinking your opinion is valid is confusing to me." And you're like, well. (laughs) I know that's a dichotomy that's hard to understand, but I mean, that also happens with whiteness. They'll be like, you being black right. and you also having thoughts that I value is confusing to me. <laughs> You're like, there's a lot of confusion <laughs> happening. <laughs> you know? But um, right. but speaking of, there's like a really good quote in this book that I think, I was saying that how how things really touch on whiteness, where it, it says the price that America extracts for being white is, is incoherence. I think for things not to make mm, sense, I, yeah. I think that's very true. And I, I struggle with this in a lot of ways because there are people I love dearly who are who are different races than me. Um and sometimes you're like, what is it that's causing this inability to see each other clearly? But I think it's the incoherence mm-hmm. of racism and that was a very poignant poignant point. And then there was also a really mm-hmm. poignant point about history and power and how power is history's most seductively attired false witness. I love that. Mm-hmm. Power does distort like gravity. History. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Americans are so, so they're like, we want to talk about the Mayflower. We want to talk about the founding fathers. Oh my God. We want to talk about the constitution. And you'll be like, you know what was happening at the, that same time? And they're like, what? And you're like slavery. And they're like, well, why do you got to bring up old stuff? And you're like the Mayflower, what? Right. <laughs> the, the- <laughs> Literally what? The- <laughs> So it's that selective amnesia that comes with them, um, and he has another line about that: the brutality of innocence. It, it, you know that's so true. The brutality of wishing to not have to reconcile that history. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just to speak of the part about what's his name, Guy, but his name is Guy because he was French. Yeah. <laughs> 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 i know no french i'm sorry y'all um beautiful language no 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 joke girl all
0: i got is amelie du fromage, um I, yeah. merci beaucoup merci and jim
1: okay
0: i think that's i think that i think that's it yeah yeah i think that i
1: think that's it i know it's embarrassing for all of us over here but it's fine anyway the point was i i think his conversation with gui was really really great i mean Guy says this line it's more self-aware where he sends you know, black people aren't the victims, they are the object of a, con- of a failed conspiracy. Um, and there's this, there's this really brilliant part where mm. Arthur is basically like, I don't really wanna hear, <laughs> Arthur's like really trying to get a drink and have fun in Paris, and Guy's like, let me tell mm. you about my white guilt. And Arthur's like, so you're telling me you want to oppress us, you want to disant- enfranchise us and disadvantage us, and then you want us to be sympathetic towards you? And he's like, yeah, you make a good point. She, uh, Arthur's basically like, aren't you asking a little too much? <laughs> like at a certain point, maybe y'all right. should start giving, stop taking. And, and he's right, you mm. know, it's, it's a very true point, and it's a one that echoes into the 21st century. Where we're asking, are, is there a point where y'all are going to deal with your with your shit on your own, or yell, and and right. Keith kind of does. He's like, yeah, this is a conspiracy that we made up as the colonizers for whatever reason. So we don't have to fight ourselves, so that we have some sense of self that we can have. And then we we then we did then we did the work of forgetting that we did that. <laughs> we literally tried right. to amnesia ourselves out of the situation. And but he's like, well, we know deep inside, we have to know, um, and that mm. that incoherence, inco- that incongruence. It is is it can't feed us? It's basically, they're like we can't look back at our history and have it mean anything. It can't feed us because mm. <laughs> to excavate it would to be to come to terms with the violence of it and the lie, right. not just the violence but the lie, which is probably the most violent part. All right, Ako's done pontificating. Marcy, did you have more thoughts? I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, no, and like honestly,
0: that was I, I. I thought that part was really poignant. I, I definitely appreciated the historical references there um something that i thought would have been interesting would have been i mean e- like arthur and jimmy talk a lot about like their civil rights work eh, well i guess not really them too specifically but i guess like arthur will be there while jimmy's talking about it with like mm. him and other people i would have loved to see a little and and you know i yeah certainly this is you know but take it take it or leave it but like you know i would have loved to have seen kind of like more talk around like but, like, what does it mean for the two of us, like, two black queer men to, like, be in love with one another? Like, what is that? Like, what what is a philosophical exploration of, like, what that means and, like, what that teaches us about, like, ourselves and where we're, his- like, sort of situated in history? Mm. Like, I feel like... Jimmy and Arthur's relationship, it read very affectionate, of course. Like, you know, they they have good banter, you know, whatever. But it, 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 I, I would have loved... In the same way that, like, with Guy, like, he had these deep philosophical inspirations, mm. like, what does it mean to, like, l- you know, be involved with you, a white man? Like, I would have kind of loved something similar with, with Jimmy, or shit, even with Crunch. Um, I don't, Actually, I don't, I'm not sure about the time Crunch or Arthur would have been able to have the conversation, but, like, I think something there could have been really, really poignant and powerful. Um, And so... But, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, really I think there was just, a I think there's a lot around, this is one of those books that, again, I felt the same way with Giovanni's Room, I feel this exact same way here, like, I feel like it's just one of those books that I just need to kind of revisit, like, I throughout my life, think... and just kind of, like, because I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of things that just, like, I read, but, like, didn't fully, I was like, oh, like, that's, like, a poetic line, but, like, that was kind of the extent to which I felt about it, it didn't really, like, you know, like, take, take much stock of it, but, um, But, but yeah, so I don't know. I think it's, it's a very, this book has a lot of, and I think especially to situating it when it came out and, you know, kind of the context that was happening socially at that point, like, I think this book definitely does a, it's very unapologetic in a way that I really, really appreciate. It's very earning and loving. And like, you know, like to your point, the relationships you see between men are so heartfelt and affectionate. Um. And just I don't know. There's a lot of like casual love in this yeah. book that I just find really, really earnest. Um, in
1: and in oh, sorry, and and sorry, we're, we're
0: gonna say.
1: I was gonna just just a quick point was that there's a love. This book is really about the love between Arthur and Hall. Really and truly, is about mm-hmm. a, two brothers who love each other so deeply, and that's the the heart of the love story. Mm. Which is kind of dope because I don't think maybe you see that a lot, but this is so earnest and it's so sure that, and I think that love that Arthur and Hall have for each other allows for the love they have for other people. Although mm-hmm. I don't know how much Hall loves anyone really, loves Arthur, love yeah, for other
0: people, right? Literally, like actually, though. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just and, and definitely there's a lot of commentary around what it means to like you know like the relationships between brothers like what it means to be someone's brother like it's just mm. there's a lot mm-hmm. a lot there and certainly i think i mean sure we i I might have my own preferences as far as like you know some of the 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 loving dynamics between characters to me felt a little rushed but like perhaps there's a commentary there around like you know does it have to be do, 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 do things have to correspond with a certain amount of time right like could can you love someone even if you don't know that much about them or like have only just met them and you know like it, it can love not be like a free-flowing river that's sort of like indiscriminately like kind of dished out and i'm like yeah, yeah, okay yeah, okay, sure
1: i hear that okay fine i think so, love contorts time in a way too in a way you don't yeah. really re- recognize it. you i i at first i thought that too and then i was like wait a second akko haven't you loved people you knew for a very short amount of time very intensely right sure maybe i don't know so, a listener you don't know me <laughs> do i know yeah. me so, so so
0: yeah so tldr um i know we, i'm sure y'all are like marcy's tone is real like uh, like like this bitch feels a low-key stank about the book i don't i actually did i actually the more we talk about it I, I i do like the book but yeah it's just it's complex it, it, it's a book that i feel like i'm still processing yeah. i'm still kind of putting my thoughts around um but ultimately speaking you know i thought the cast was was earnest i think there's a lot here as far as philosophical offerings um definitely some things i would have loved to also seen explored but like you
1: know it was it was interesting yeah so you make a really good point about the queerness i was like maybe for james as a man he's like my affections are not a problem until like hiv like really starts to stigmatize or pathologize Mm. but then again there's also the mccarthy era right but then again like the mccarthy like you wouldn't you you wouldn't believe anything they said anyway about like actual you know no no one really thought the people running the mccarthy thing like deeply cared about the moral situation. I don't know. But right. you're right. It may be there's also the possibility that he was scared, scared to write it. Or didn't know right. how to write or didn't want to I don't know. I don't know. So you're right though, right? That the piece that's missing. There's it's odd because in one yeah. way he so unabashedly writes about it that it's almost even more forward thinking than now. But in another way if you like look mm-hmm. at the time period you're like and yet you didn't put it you you didn't put it in the context of the danger. You know, similarly to kind of mm. with Giovanni's room,
0: right? And and it's one of those things where, like, you know, especially living in a, I guess, post HIV AIDS world. I mean, that's absolutely in the mains in the in in a mainstream zeitgeist. But also, even just like intra communally, like, you know, the trauma and devastation of the HIV epidemic absolutely informs the ways in which we see love and sex between you know mm-hmm. black queer men. And so, I feel like it, I. I personally i would have been curious to see kind of what was that discourse like before that period and like how like i guess what 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 was the thinking there around like okay black queer love is like a source of revolution or like something like what it like what it what what how was it situated in that context like what did it represent like what was yeah. the what was that piece there so so you know, but um, mm. but also too shit. I mean, also, I was living for the fact that like we actually had relationships between <laughs> black women, <and laughs> which course. even by yeah. itself is not some shit you see a lot. So listen, I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm to you know, what? I'm going to take my piece. I, they're like, uh, Marcy, get you a piece. I'm like, I'm going to take my piece. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know. And I'm appreciate. I'm gonna appreciate what I have, but you know, if if there is a suggestion jar, I'm gonna just put this in the suggestion jar. But we good. I'm happy with what I got. Don't get don't get me fucked up. But That's you know, fair. it's certainly something that I would be curious to to explore, especially in in a more historical Context. type of work like this.
1: So yeah. so yeah, I like it. I love it. Um, there's one point I have to. I want to mention. We're not gonna go deep into it because uh, I don't want to. But the there's a point mm-hmm. about hatred. That they So when Peanut, Arthur, Hall, and I think Mr. Reed are, you know, defending themselves against these white people who are attacking them, there's this point they talk mm-hmm. about, you know, you start to, to hate, you know, in a way you didn't hate before. And it almost scares you because it's like it's one thing that it's mm-hmm. one thing you see their hatred and it's being projected on you, but it's not yours. But then it becomes yours because you're so... Fucking pissed! <laughs> These people mm. would be so acrimonious towards you when they're the oppressors, and and he, and he. This line "hate stains" was so was so like telling to me because it's true. And I think in a way, instead of wanting to excavate our history and examine it, I think in a lot of ways, America just wants everyone to have bloody hands. But this is a very specific point black people will never ever be responsible for the violence that white americans have done to them ever Mm -hmm. and i think people need to understand that now and for forever if we're ever going to stop with this bullshit that we're on right (laughs) anyway so if you want to read a critical race book maybe read James Baldwin. there's plenty to choose from or not your choice so if you want (laughs) to tell us how you i mean whatever live your life (laughs) do what you want i think it will you're help yeah like, I, I think it'll help you but you know like if you're on twitter and you're like you know what i actually don't want to read a james ball book and i don't appreciate the suggestion and i hate <laughs> this fucking podcast <laughs> <laughs> i hate this podcast <laughs> i know i got to the end to the outro you the, we got a twitter at the color pages we have an instagram right. these at these color pages or an email these color pages at gmail.com also strangely i don't know if y'all know this but we have a website it's cute you can push a little button you enter into a little thing it's a whole to do so mm-hmm. check that out you know you can send us an email being like you know what akko and marcy marcy was lukewarm on this book and akko pontificated way too much my god get your <laughs> shit together let us know i mean you know but but uh thank you for for your effort on there you know we nice again we like to be valid right but. it'd be
0: nice to be a little validation um but yeah so also yes, if you again if you go to thesecolorpages.com, we also have been updating the website recently. I know I'm sure for some who might have gone recently, they're like I didn't know we were still in the Summer Short series <laughs> from 2021. That's so interesting. Oh wait, what did we read this year? Oh, so I guess you'll never read Ghost Bride cuz like I, I I'm not seeing her on the website. <laughs> like so we we know um we have been <laughs> updating it, so we love to see it. But um anyway, Yes, if the show brought you any love, light, delight, please leave us some love wherever you are listening to yes. this podcast. That could be Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever, whatever you fancy. Leave us, you know, we, we love a little rating, we love a little review, you know, just like to hear your thoughts. Always definitely lifts our spirits and our days. Um, also, you know, if there's just someone in your life that you're like, you know what this person needs, these like really deep philosophical explorations mm-hmm. around like what whiteness means like throughout time, like, you know, we're, like, really or like, really just kind of getting into sort of like radical like love and existence between like black men, like whatever the case may Ooh. be, like just send them this episode, send them the link, literally no context, no context, and then just... Throw your phone into the sewer, just throw it into the sewer, (laughs) move to Switzerland. If you're already in Switzerland, move to not Switzerland. And you know what? Just just live your life like that because that's really going to help us to grow (laughs) in all the ways that we we really need. Like, honestly, that is exactly what's going to take us to the next level. So really highly consider doing those things. Absolutely. Um... And next time, we're actually going to be reading a book that is part of Akko's Picks, and it is called Birdie by Tracy Lindbergh. But between now and then, Akko, is there anything else we should leave our listeners with before we head out?
1: No, just until we meet again, remember to...
0: Stay stay colorful. colorful!